the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Hall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista, Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. It's that time of the week where we set to work collating all of those green stories from the previous seven days and bringing them as a collective to the nation. The man who directs proceedings from his Gloucestershire throne, made of recyclable dandelion and burdock bottles, I should add, is the green entrepreneur Dale Vince. Morning, Dale. Yeah, awesome. Morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm still recovering from Wednesday night's game, actually, of, of, from the hangover from Wednesday night's game. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> what did you make? I mean, you're a, an owner of a football club. I mean, this is your world as well. What, what did you make of what we saw on, on Wednesday? I thought it was awesome. You know, I expected us to win and uh, it was just it was just awesome. You know, we went a goal behind. It was the first goal we conceded in the in the competition. Yeah. And uh, you know, we came from behind and won, which is just perfect. And now we're set up for the clash with Italy on Sunday and and I think we'll beat Italy. I don't think it'll be yeah. easy at all. I think I mean they're a great team, but I think we're a great team actually and we're just seeing that come there to There were only lessons to be learned from Wednesday, weren't there? I mean in the sense, you know, we didn't we didn't knock in that absolute screamer, did we? I mean, there was, a, you know, off a penalty and an own goal. Did that in any way dilute your enthusiasm for the result? Nah, not at all. Not at all. I love VAR. <laughs> I love VAR. Yeah, goals are goals, aren't they? You know, and, uh, you know, thank God uh, Harry got the rebound from the penalty. Oh, that so. was absolutely stunning. That was just stunning. It happens so rarely. And, you know, yeah. and people look on and go, it's my other half. Said, Is that allowed? It's like, of course it's allowed. It's still in play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely it's allowed. Yeah. Um, that's, the, you know, if you, it's a clumsy save. So, you know, there it is, ready to be chipped in for the for the mighty winning goal. So, yeah, yeah um, it's just, just brilliant. Absolutely. And there's an intelligent, you know, a lot of talk about Southgate. Um, and I think the word that we keep using is intelligent. There's a kind of an intelligent approach to his managerial approach to this, right? Yeah, I think so. I think he's independent as well of mind and spirit. I think he's honest and sincere. You know, all of these qualities, I think, make him a great leader and director of, uh, of England football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's start with some questions. We'll come back to football as well. Sandrine on Twitter says, Dale, any updates on how the campaign to buy Horse Common with the Express is going? Tell, tell us about the story for those who don't know what this is about. Well, yeah, this is part of our Green Britain campaign with the Daily Express. Um, we launched a bid to buy a piece of land in the new forest uh, for the RSPB, with the RSPB, in fact, that they're going to rewild. Uh, it's called Horse Common, and I think we need to raise about £90,000. And we are chatting with the Express team last week, actually, and I think we're somewhere in the 40s at the moment, approaching fifty grand, and we're going to give it, or they're going to give it through the newspaper, another big push over the summer. So this hasn't been forgotten. This this can still happen. Oh yeah, definitely. The team there are very keen on it still. Um, it's the environment editor John Ingham that's really kind of leading on that. And um, yeah, it'll have another big push over the summer, and we'll get it over the line. I'm sure that we will. Chris Packham's going to help us out. Um, we'll announce details of that later. Well, um, here's a headline we don't really want to be reading, but maybe no surprise. Climate change linked to 5 million deaths a year, according to a new study. Almost 10% of global deaths can be attributed to abnormally hot or cold temperatures. 
Yeah, which is quite incredible, isn't it? And I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, I read a stat from the UN that were estimating 30 million people had been displaced by the effects of climate change as well, you know, turning them into effectively climate refugees. So I think these two things go hand in glove because people will abandon parts of the world that is very difficult to live in because of the climate crisis. Yeah, 74 excess deaths for every 100,000 people. This is the research. Monash um, in Australia and China's Shandong University did these estimates on this. Yeah, because last week we saw those crazy temperatures in Canada and the US, 50 degrees centigrade on the same latitude as England, actually. Um, And, you know, 500 deaths in a week uh, just directly due to that, uh, which is kind of a scary thing. The story out this week as well, actually, um, Somebody's done, or some scientists have done a study into extreme temperature. And they're saying that what we've experienced in the last few weeks breaks the upper limit of climate model projections. They're slightly shocked and worried by this because they haven't got it right in terms of the modeling. It now looks unpredictable and they're concerned that it could uh, become the new normal, these extreme temperature events. Yeah. Well, in fact, I've got some good news, Dale, because there's nothing to worry about at all. And if you don't believe me, just ask Senator Ron Johnson of the United States, because he's been able to sum up climate change in one word. Bullshit, he said. This was his response to what he thought of climate change. Bullshit. Yeah, what can you say? Republican. That's my, that's it. That's what I got. (laughs) Republican. What do do we expect? What's interesting, it was actually, and it gets even funnier because he said he denied being a climate change denier. And then uh, CNN found a video of him. Um, And in fact, when he says bullshit, he's actually quoting somebody else. He's quoting Lord Monckton. You might've come across Lord Monckton, Uh, but he's a, uh, a fairly vocal kind of, well, I think we could say a man who is not enamored by the climate change narrative. I think he's a former uh, UKIP chap. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's all we need to know. A pair of twats. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> uh, here's a question from James. I uh, heard you on Times Radio at the weekend. Uh, did some Googling. It's led me to binge listen to the podcast and buy your book. See, this is how we work, isn't it? Um, I've got a small business, and I've been set on carbon offsetting to reduce our impacts. I'm now reading some of the schemes aren't really doing what they should be. So if we can't reduce our emissions further, what on earth should we be doing to stop the impact of the rest? Really keen to get your take. Yeah, carbon offsetting, I think, has been a problem since it was uh, conceived of, you know, maybe uh, maybe a couple of decades ago, actually. And um, some of the inherent problems uh, with it are that it provides an easy out for people to offset their carbon impact. So that has to be avoided in the first place. So what we should all be doing is measuring our carbon impact, reducing it as far as possible, and only using offsets for the residual part that we can't yet get to. And then you come on to the second problem, which is that uh, some of the carbon offset schemes out there in the world are pretty rubbish. Um, So you've got to look for something that's well regulated. I'd recommend something that's UN certified or something like that, so that you know at least what's said is being done is being done. But there's a kind of third strand to this story because the Climate Change Committee uh, in the UK came up with, I think, a brilliant concept that closes the loop on this issue. Uh, I think it was last year when they came up with a report about how we get to zero carbon by 2050. And they talked about the irreducible 
core of Britain's emissions, maybe 5%. Yeah. And the way to tackle that is to do it through indigenous offsetting. So rewilding Britain, uh, which will itself absorb carbon, and we can use that to, to great effect because we bring wildlife back to our country and we deal with our residual carbon yeah. emissions. So for me, that's the kind of perfect end game. Yeah. And it's not hard to work that out, is it? I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, if you just follow that kind of chronology of what you just described there, I mean, it's, it's oddly quite simple. Yeah, super logical. And what we're really doing is reversing the direction of travel of, let's say, the last 50 years where intensive agriculture has taken so much land from nature in our country. And that increases emissions uh, at the same time. So we're just reversing that direction of travel, giving land back yeah. to nature, creating habitats, and at the same time, pulling carbon out of the atmosphere. Well, co connected to that, uh, here's another story. Planting extra trees to combat climate change across Europe could also increase rainfall. Uh, a new study found that converting agricultural land to forest would boost summer rains by 7.6% on average. Yeah, a brilliant study and kind of confirming something that you take to be uh, kind of axiomatic, you know, land that is stripped of trees and vegetation kind of leads to desertification. That's what we're doing to the world increasingly. Yeah. Linked to this story, there's, there's another story uh, that talks about extreme rainfall being the new normal. That intense rain that we've been, been experiencing where we get a month's rain in one day and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it says we're not going to not have droughts either because this you know, new extreme rain pattern is all or nothing. And that um, a further link to stories that we've talked about just now is that the increasing temperature of the air leads to more rain uh, because it allows the air to hold more water. So as we warm the planet up and we get these these increasing patterns of, of extreme rain, that, that just uh, exacerbates itself. More warming, more extreme rain. Yeah, and we've certainly had that this year, haven't we? Yeah, we have. You know, we felt that particularly at Forest Green where – the, the drains in our pitch have just been overwhelmed. You know, they're not fit for where we're currently at in the climate crisis. So this year we've had to redesign them because they've just been inundated. And yep. uh, that's a really interesting kind of frontline experience. Here's a question from Paul on Twitter. Ian, we need to get your review of the new KFC vegan chicken. <laughs> I didn't know how they were doing this. Did you know this now? No, I didn't know this either, but well, I wanted to ask you if you've got a tattoo of the colonel on your butt because <laughs> <laughs> because I saw an advert for KFC in one of the football breaks this week and uh, there were some pictures of uh, colonel tattoos on people. I thought Ian's got one of them, surely. Do you know what? I did. Some guy did once send me a photograph who had uh, Colonel Sanders tattooed on his shin, which <laughs> aside from anything else, is apparently one of the most painful places to have a tattoo because it's just all bone, isn't it, your shin? Yeah. Uh, and he decided the one thing that he wanted to adorn that particular part of his anatomy with was a picture of Colonel Sanders. I wonder if he had chicken legs. <laughs> yes, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if a meat chain, McDonald's, KFC, Burger King, comes up with a vegan option, would you buy or would you swerve it still because it's predominantly still a meat chain? In principle, I would support it. I would say it's a great thing. You know, I'm all for it. In practice, I don't tend to eat that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's. It's junk food and I don't eat it. Yeah, um, you, can have, you can have vegan junk food, of course. And it's still You can have vegan junk food. That's why it's still like high in fat and sugar yeah. and salt and that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Deep fried, you know, there's, you know, so it's, it's not, it's not food as I, as I um, think of it. Maybe we need to get a summer picnic going, Dale. And we'll just take all the kind of vegan options from all of these menus and just stuff the lot and see how we go. <laughs> yeah. So you remind me, somebody said to me the other day, I don't know if it was in this episode or a previous episode or not, but uh, somebody suggested I go on a camping trip with Mike Graham uh, for reality TV purposes. You just reminded me of that. That would be, 
that would be some kind of uh, like harpooning a deer at uh, 50 paces <laughs> eat that vince listen <laughs> <laughs> if he could catch it i would eat it but i think yeah. i'm safe coming back like christopher walken with something over his shoulders you know you can just see him coming out the bush the rare sight of the lesser spotted mike graham complete with kill there's a reality show waiting to happen there though dale i can feel it coming on it could uh, be here's a question steam trains face being killed off by new environmental laws peers have warned peers have asked for assurances that heritage steam enthusiasts will be allowed to burn coal after new climate legislation comes in i've never really thought about this but everything from you know your little thomas the tank rides for kids they make them quite authentic and they run on coal where does this sit in the grander scale yeah, it's interesting. I imagine it's tip of the iceberg in terms of impacts and emissions. I've been to a couple of steam fairs, not for a long time, but there used to be a really big one down in Dorset, and it's quite uh, quite a spectacle. Can't imagine that in the scheme of things is doing any great harm. But I have to say, I read the story and I felt that um, steam engines was a little bit of a kind of a metaphor for the House of Lords. This was the old buffers arguing <laughs> that the old buffers should be allowed yeah, to yeah, exist. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Uh, but, I mean, you would be taking away Thomas the Tank Engine. You know, if we banned coal, there'd be no Thomas. He's a cartoon, so that's harmless. Is he? <laughs> yeah, man. It's more in folk ones, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and his friends. Uh, but, wait, <laughs> but when they do these kind of, like, rides, these kind of theme rides where kids go on a version of Thomas the Tank, I mean, they are run by coal. Would, would all of that have to go? Can you have a, in a clean environment? Can you have a little bit of coal? Yeah, I think so. For like uh, educational historical purposes, I can't. I can't see why not. I, you know, I do tend to think that this big steam fair in Dorset, you know, give it ten, maybe twenty years, we'll have the same thing for petrol yeah. and diesel cars. You know, and people go along and go, oh, "Wow, they used to drive stuff like that." You know, "Wow, smell that! Look at the stuff coming out the back end of that." You know, like we do if you go to a steam fair, it's quite a yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite a shock just how kind of dirty and and all that they are. Yeah, but, uh, you can see a, a lump of coal on a plinth in the National <laughs> History Museum, can't you? And kids go, what is that? Yeah. What is that, Mama? <laughs> I used to, to set fire to it. Well, look at the shit coming from that, Mama. <laughs> yeah, they used to put all of that into the atmosphere, and nobody cared for years. No, nobody uh, cared. Yeah. Uh, that, and the Australians still don't care, do they? They don't seem to give a hoot, do they? Well, what's going on down there? You know, this, uh, I know it's a big old place and they've got a nice lot of open space and a big expanse and it's a great country, but um, they do seem to be a, a little behind on environmental matters. Is there, have you ever been able to ascertain a reason for that, Dan? No. No, I haven't. Well, that answered that, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. There is, <laughs> there is no reason. We are incredulous at what is going on. In the land of Oz. Um, uh, let's finish with a question from Emma on Facebook. Dale, do you know if Forest Green will open for the general admission this season? Uh, we're planning on visiting, but want the flexibility of choosing a sunny day. I know we are fair weather fans. Yeah, it's a good question. So right now, the way regulations are, you know, the government have, uh, have said that come the 19th of July, they're going to take away the legal obligation to, uh, you know, socially distance, wear masks, all that kind of stuff. And instead, they're going to leave it to our personal kind of choice. So I like that because actually they're making cabinet ministers of all of us. You know, yeah. they're saying just just do what you think is right, you know, which is what they've been doing for a long time. So yeah. that amuses me. But based on that, uh, football uh, and all sports are meant to be back without crowd restrictions. So 
Based only on that, I'd say yes. But based on what might happen in the real world, I would say note of caution. You know, we could have a fourth spike. Is it? I've lost count. Um, yeah. We, we yeah. are thirty thousand cases yesterday. You know, and, and there are some dire predictions of of uh, you know a million cases over the summer. So I would say uh, keep watching the news because it could change. But right now, we will be open for fans. Good work. Um, finish on this point, I think, Dale. Prediction for Sunday. What are we thinking? Oh, it's got to be an England win. And all of my goal predictions never work out. But so far, my win predictions have been working out for England anyway. <laughs> so I'm particularly England win. I'm taking a tough game. Uh, could go to extra time. I don't know. Don't care. No, I, don't want to, I, can't see, I can't sit through penalties. I mean, even, even the Kane penalty on Wednesday, even, you know, it came out in our favour due to what happened. But just that moment, you know, the way it's filmed, the gladiatorial nature of the face of the penalty taker, the whistle, the the, the eyes of the the keeper. That whole drama is too much for me. Yeah, it's interesting. I love penalty shootouts when we're not in them. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Yeah. See somebody else experiencing that kind of toil. Yeah. Um, so an England win this weekend. We will find out when we're back on this podcast, Dale. We will know for sure whether England are carrying some rather tasty silverware, let's hope so. Nice one. All right. Fingers crossed. Speak to you next week. Yeah, see you next weekend. Cheers. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider. That means you get each new episode automatically. And do leave a review there as well. If you want to get in touch, email your comments, questions to zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. And the really important bit, of course, is to follow Dale on social media. That's twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. And we'll see you in a week's time. Zero carbon east off.